Welcome to the 4 Hour Show, powered by the kidswearcrowns.com. This is episode 5. This week, I'll be discussing a cool interview we did last week, the openings of NBA Free Agency, and a couple of other things. But first... Who's more crooked than one time? Yeah, yeah, check. Is my mic on? That's a twilight zone. Yeah, come on. My mind state rewinds, wakes, and fast forwards bullets, making a beeline for my fake. My mind state. My mind state. So it is Wednesday, July 4th. Um. Another late episode. Um, <laughs> I actually recorded this episode Saturday, but everything that I was talking about, like on Sunday, shit changed. So, like, I'm gonna have to discuss it anyway. So I was like, you know, the hell with it. I'll just not drop the episode and re-record it. So here we are. Um, <clears throat> first, before we get into all of that shit, um, go to thekidswearcrowns.com. Uh, check out the interview that we did with Club Monster. Uh, they are a rap group out of Birmingham. Supremely talented group of guys. And uh, we had the privilege of interviewing them uh, at my barber shop last Saturday. Um, or Saturday before this. And uh, it came out on the website Monday. And it was a phenomenal interview. Uh, conducted by D. Um, Ronnie did the camera work. I was holding a camera, but my hands got shaky, so we didn't really use the footage, even though I told Ronnie beforehand, like, yo, I got shaky hands, so this probably isn't the best idea. Uh, but it was a cool, cool interview. Uh, I came away from it with a great deal of respect, uh, for, for those gentlemen, uh, the insight into their, their, uh, their process, how they do things, uh, their personalities, because I did not know these gentlemen prior to hearing of this album. That was my first time meeting them. Uh, my first exposure to them was this album, When God Ready. And initially, I listened to it uh, a couple times, and I'm like, okay, it's a good album. These dudes can rap. You know, it's pretty cool. And, um, you know, of course, the way the cycle of music goes, you know, you kind of uh, forget about things, uh, unfortunately, sometimes. And, you know, I just, I hadn't revisited it. So, we get there, um, you know, I was already in there getting my hair cut, you know, Ronnie D and Ebb, uh, they came in, and, uh, you know, the guys slowly started showing up, and, you know, we're kind of talking with them, we're goofing around and stuff, so it was about 15 minutes of setup, 15, 20 minutes of setup, and then the interview itself was another, uh, about 40 minutes, uh, we, we cut some of it out, so I think it, it's about 37 minutes on the YouTube, it was about 40, close, close to 40 minutes, and, uh, the cool thing is, after the fact, they sat with us for about another hour. You know, mind you, these gentlemen, they have lives, they have jobs. You know, they, they took time out of their day to sit with us after the fact. And, you know, we got to talk with them. Uh, uh, Kel and, and Ronnie and D were talking movies. And, you know, me and Dada was kind of talking hip-hop. And Eb and Josh were talking about some things. You know, we're kind of crisscrossing back and forth in the conversation. There wasn't a camera rolling, but I wish there would have been because it was such a dope uh environment you know the conversation that was getting off uh so it was real cool um and you know I get, I get back in my car and I go to I'm driving back uh back home to Atlanta uh or I shouldn't say home where I live driving back to my crib in Atlanta and I threw the album on and it's like so many so many more things were sticking out 
you know, hearing Kel talk about how much he hated uh, Satchmo in the trap spot. Um, and there's a point towards the end of the interview where Kel's talking about how much he hated that record. And that was the last verse that he wrote and recorded for the album. And uh, I'm off camera and I'm like, yo, I'm the harshest rap critic among us. And you got off on that verse. So when I listened to it again, it made sense because there, you could tell there was just this frustration and aggression in his voice because he didn't like that record. But that enabled him to kill it. You know, hearing Dada talk about how much he loved uh, December 15th over and over. There's a funny clip of where we got every time he brings up uh, December 15th. Um, but that record stood out more. Um, getting to know their personalities. You know, uh, all of them are supremely talented rappers. You know, Joshua is very spiritual. It comes across in his verses. Kel has like the perfect rapper voice and he's better at rapping than a lot of niggas. But, you know, in talking to Dada, you can just kind of tell that, that, like, that's his thing. He gets off on, like, it, like rap for him is like a pissing contest. He wants to show you that he's better than, than everybody at it. And it comes across in his verses. You know, he was talking about how, um, or Kel was talking about how when Dada got one, he'll call him, like, hey, you, you check your email? What you think of that verse? And he was talking about how, um, you know, he knows he has one. He'll wait on Joshua to call him. Uh, and apparently that's what he did for Mugshots, which is going to be the song that plays at the end of the podcast. So it was real cool. You get some appreciation when you're listening uh, and watching that interview uh, into the insights of their personalities. And it made that album stand out more. I think I've played it uh, at least once a day, every day since that interview. Um, so please go check that out. Purchase it. They've got a show July 6th in Birmingham, which is this Friday um, at the Firehouse in Avondale. I think doors open at eight tickets for 10 bucks. I will be there. I think Ronnie's going to be there. So we'll be in the house um, watching them. I, I love uh, live music. That's something I got to get back into doing more of. But a uh, real, real cool interview. Kudos to D for doing her thing. Kudos to Ronnie. Uh, shout out to our boy Joe Code for uh, doing the editing on that vid. Um, like I said, real cool experience. Hopefully we, we'll, we'll be able to bring you more stuff like that. Uh, with people in the Birmingham area that are doing dope shit. Um, so that was ill. Check the album out, When God Ready, G-A-W-D, When God Ready. Buy it, man. Don't stream it, buy it. I mean, stream it, but buy it. You know, check the album out, go stream it, make sure that you like it, and then go buy it. Um, if you are a fan of hip-hop, if you're a fan of people that have something to say, and it's good music. You know, that was one of the things that, you know, I, I think I was talking to Dada about that after the verse. Uh, I mean, after the interview ended was, you know, just talking about how it's so rare to find people who can rap, have something to say and are making good music. Um, that's such a that's such a, a, a dope thing to me. Um, so it was real cool uh, getting to know them. Uh, and, and, you know, we, of course, at the site uh, have all of our support behind those gentlemen so uh shouts to them for taking the time out go check the interview out subscribe to the kw uh to the kwc blog the kids crowns.com at the kwc blog on twitter but subscribe to the site you'll get notifications whenever we drop a post it's not like we're a big site so we're not dropping 67 posts a day so you're not going to get bombarded with emails we typically usually drop like one maybe two posts a day usually about four or five a week uh, so you're not going to get bombarded, but when we do stuff, we try to put quality behind it and not just throw shit up for the sake of throwing shit up. But, um, so yeah, um, like I said, check that out. Um, 
NBA went nuts this week, <laughs> uh, to say the least. That's why I had to redo this podcast because the stuff I was talking about on Saturday, like nothing really major had happened. Uh, Paul George had opted to stay with OKC at that point, but um, you know, there was speculation on where LeBron was going, and that's a lot of what I talked about. Um, and lo and behold, on Sunday night, boom, LeBron sends out a one paragraph statement from his agency. Uh, saying that he had opted to sign with the Lakers. And it was like, whoa. Like, because he was supposed to do it on Tuesday. And that was when the Space Jam uh, trailer was supposed to get released. So allegedly it was the Space Jam Jam trailer was going to get released. And at the end of it, uh, LeBron was going to show up in his Lakers gear, signifying that he agreed to to play for the Lakers. So uh, he signs with the Lakers. Lakers immediately begin signing people. Uh, resign KCP, Contagious Caldwell Pope, who is also a Clutch uh, agency client, which LeBron's business owns a stake in Clutch agency, so that's kind of no surprise. Uh, they signed JaVale McGee, they resigned Brooke Lopez, they signed Lance Stevenson, and 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 looking at it, I was like, whoa, that you know they're signing some some bodies, uh, not like you know just just bodies, and to me that signaled like maybe there's a Kawhi trade in the works. Uh, because apparently LeBron said that he wanted a star in place before he came, and then reports came out that he said, no, you know, he's in it for the long haul. There doesn't have to be a star there. You know, he just wants a competitive team. Uh, So they're getting veterans. Then they get Rajon Rondo, and it's like, whoa, (laughs) okay, that kind of suspicious because him and Lonzo basically have the same game. They're pass-first point guards who play decent defense, get rebounds, uh, and can't shoot very well. Um, so that was kind of interesting. So it kind of made you think like, okay, maybe there's a Kawhi trade in the works, but apparently the Spurs are like, ah, now nah, we're not budging. Cause Kawhi has told teams I'm going to LA one way or another. So apparently the Lakers want Ingram, Kuzma, Hart, two first, two future first round picks and two future pick swaps, meaning that they get the opportunity to swap picks with the Lakers. If the Lakers happen to have a lower pick than they do. So they want a lot for Kawhi. Um, Paul George has come out and said some things saying, yeah, he wanted to be a Laker last year, but the Lakers didn't trade for him. Um, he also had a statement earlier that said uh, he was on a ra- doing a radio interview and he said, hey, if we put a dent into Golden State's armor here, I get some credit for it here as an OKC. If we do it in OKC, it's because I, it's partly because I stayed. If I go to L.A. and we do it. It's because of LeBron. And that that got me thinking like, OK, that's interesting uh, because there he didn't even take a meeting with the Lakers. So there had already been some people speculating that maybe he didn't want to go because of LeBron. And now it's coming out that Kawhi and people are thinking this is being leaked by Kawhi's camp that Kawhi has said he doesn't care about going to the Lakers now that LeBron's there he wants to go play competitive basketball in LA and his preference is allegedly the Clippers uh because he knows that stars will come play with him because he's a low maintenance defense first guy who doesn't need the ball and that's kind of got me thinking like yo do superstars I've long speculated that maybe superstars don't want to play with LeBron and if you hear booms going off in the background it's because I live in the hood and people are shooting fireworks off because obviously it's fourth of July but um, I've, I've long had this thought that maybe stars aren't as 
hype to play with LeBron as we might think that they would be, right? Because when you look, the narrative is LeBron makes his teammates better. And to an extent, that's true. He maximizes the play of guys who probably wouldn't be as good with him. But when it comes to guys who were pretty good before him, they tend to not play as well. You can look at Jay Crowder. He dipped in Cleveland. He played uh, when he got to Utah. His, num- his his production and output was about similar to what it was in Boston. Uh, D-Wade obviously wasn't the same guy, but a lot of that's injury. Um, Kyrie, who kind of felt like, hey, I can't play my game with LeBron around. You know, LeBron, you know, there was the report that uh, and Kyrie basically confirmed this and said that, you know, Tyron Lue and somebody else went to him and said, hey, you need to get more guys involved when you're running the offense. And he said that's number 23's job, referring to LeBron, because I guess I assume that he felt like, hey, I don't get to play point guard when LeBron's here. So I'm not worried about getting guys involved. That's on him. Um, And you look at Kevin Love and Chris Bosh, who basically turned into spot up stretch fours. Uh, when before they were, you know, all-star caliber power forwards, putting up pretty big numbers. So now you've got PG saying that, now nah, I'm good on, I know what comes with playing with LeBron. If, if you win, it's LeBron. If you lose, it's everyone but LeBron. And Kawhi saying, I don't really care to play with LeBron. I want to go to LA and I'll go to the Clippers if that means I can go be competitive. And that's pretty interesting, man. It's very, very interesting. Um, I, I don't know. You can you can read into those statements what you will. <laughs> to me, it sounds like maybe stars aren't rushing to play with LeBron the way that we might think. I think in Kevin Love's case, he played. Ter- he was on a losing basketball team for until he got to Cleveland. He got a taste of winning and was like, "Yo, I want to keep doing this, even if it means I get ripped to shreds whenever." Uh, the team is losing because people feel like LeBron doesn't have enough help. Kyrie was like, yo, I'm getting the hell up out of here. Paul George said, I'd rather stay in OKC than sign outright because you guys didn't trade me beforehand, which brings me to a good point because I said this earlier on Twitter. I was like, last year I said, yo, you guys should trade for PG. He wants to go there. And everyone was like, nah, he'll, he'll sign outright. We won't have to give up the assets to get him. And it's like, nah. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm big on a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. That's my opinion. If you can if you can guarantee something, do it. You know, because basically they could have had PG last year for Brandon Ingram straight up. So your team this season, going into this season, assuming LeBron still comes there, you've got Paul George on a max extension. You've got LeBron James. You've got Kyle Kuzma. You've got Lonzo Ball. You've got Josh Hart, and you know maybe Randall stays. Who knows? But either way, you've got a pretty decent, you've got two superstars and you've got two young cornerstones and potentially a third guy uh, in heart. And now if you go through with the Kawhi trade, because now there's talk that he might snub you like PG did and say, okay, well, since you guys didn't want to trade for me, I'll go play for the Clippers. You know, now you might be looking at getting Kawhi. You're going to have to give up Ingram, Kuzma, and a bunch of picks, and maybe Josh Hart. So now you're stuck with Lonzo, uh, LeBron James, who maybe has two or three more years going at the max clip, and Kawhi, who you don't know about his health. I don't know. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm just always in favor of when you can get someone, get them, because you don't know what can happen a year from now. And Paul George proved that. 
OKC took the risk of getting him and said, hey, we can offer you more money than anybody else can. And it just so happened that he felt slighted by the fact that the Lakers wouldn't give up a, a rookie for him. Like that that's that's what Brandon Ingram was at the time. He was a rookie. So like I might feel the feel the way too if I'm reaching out and sending all the signals that, hey, come get me, come get me, I want to play there, and you won't give up one guy for me. I might feel the way too, because that's that speaks to a lot of hubris on the part of the Lakers. Because I explained this to someone earlier. It's like let's not act like the Lakers have had a great track record of signing superstars. In my lifetime, that has basically been Shaq. And LeBron, Shaq in 96, LeBron in 2018, those are 22 years apart. Everyone else you traded for or drafted. In that span, you traded for Pau Gasol. You drafted, well, traded on draft day for Kobe Bryant. Superstars just aren't coming there. So, maybe you should, I don't know trade for the guy while he's sending out indications that he wants to be there and it's like yeah you you fucked up because now you're gonna have to gut the team to get the second superstar or have the next four seasons of basically LeBron James and some rookies um so that that's what was on the LA front and then the Warriors uh (laughs) they were the fucking Warriors they they (laughs) they signed DeMarcus Cousins for 5.3 5.3 million dollars which is the mid-level exception for a tax team uh wow the warriors when demarcus cousins is healthy conservatively they say he he plans on being back uh in december or january most people are saying that warriors aren't planning on rushing him back they'll try to have him back around all-star break Either way, the Warriors now have five current NBA All-Stars starting when they get their projected lineup out, right? DeMarcus Cousins at the five, Draymond Green at the four, Kevin Durant at the three, Klay Thompson at the two, Steph Curry at the one. The two greatest shooters ever, probably the greatest scorer ever, and two other All-Stars. A former Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, an all-star center and a finals MVP coming off the bench. Uh, somebody joked like, yo, Steve Kerr has the has the, the infinity gauntlet with the infinity stones. And I'm like, yeah, he basically does. Because somebody was like, man, they just need one more all-star. And I was like, no, they got a finals MVP on the bench, dog. That That's the other, that's the final stone. Like, And, and, and of course, you've got LeBron fans were pissed. 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 Piss, 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 piss. It was so funny watching their reactions, particularly the 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 most famous LeBron stand on the planet, Nick Wright, who says who gets on first things first on on uh, Tuesday. Uh, it's like, man, guys don't want to compete. People don't want to compete no more, man. And I'm like, dude, you stand for a guy who, when he couldn't get past the Boston Celtics, joined two other All Stars. And his rebuttal to that, to people saying that, was, no, he Miami hadn't won a playoff series, and he joined one other All-Star. And it's like, dude, you still went to get help. <laughs> so, in your opinion, it's more competitive to go get help to beat up on the aging team than it is to say, hey, you guys aren't going to lose again for the next three years, so fuck it, I'm just going to go play with you for one year, get my ring, and then go get my max contract. 
And there were all all sorts of people saying he was a pussy. And I'm like, why are you dudes so mad over a basketball decision? I don't think LeBron's winning another title in his NBA career. Why are you so mad? Golden State was going to keep going. Like, 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 why are you so viscerally upset at the fact that Golden State is is using the rules to their advantage, right? And I made this point on uh, on on Monday night. I think that was when the Boogie Cousins signing happened. I said all, a lot of the Warriors' moves have been made. Yet yeah, part of it's unselfishness and a an extreme stroke of luck, right? You draft Steph Curry, you draft Klay Thompson, you draft Draymond Green. Those are the three cornerstones that were already there. They won you one NBA title by themselves. You have the extreme luck of Steph Curry uh, winning an MVP on a ridiculously low contract for him. Because of the ankle thing, he, he had to take a discount on his rookie extension because he wasn't playing much. So his ankles heal. He becomes the greatest shooter of all time. Clay Thompson, uh, who was a, I think the 11th pick in the draft, something to that effect. He doesn't get as much on an extension as he could have. Draymond purposely took less because they knew they were targeting KD when Draymond took his extension, right? So that's, that's good fortune in and of itself. That's good drafting and good fortune right there. But so let's, so let's set the stage on this, right? And some people argued argued with me about this because I tweeted that LeBron set the stage for superstar movement. People said, no, superstars were moving before that. And I said, yes, they were. But it was typically through the front office. They had to go and demand a trade. LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh in 2006 saw what was coming. In 07, they took shorter contract extensions so they could opt out in 2010. They took advantage of that. And they all agreed to go. Now, someone might technically say, well, LeBron was traded to Miami. And yes, LeBron was traded to Miami. But Miami still could have signed him outright. He went to Cleveland as a favor and said, hey, I'm going to Miami. So you can either lose me or you can trade me and get something back. And Cleveland signed him and then traded him in. That eased the the cap situation. So they were able to take a little bit more. But they were going there regardless. So that was the first time you had three superstars come together without the help of the of a front office and say, hey, we're going to go play in this one place. They used the system to their advantage. And LeBron is a great businessman. He's got a smart team of people behind him. It was genius on his part. That was the first time you had a superstar go, all right, cool, I'm leaving on my own. Boston might have been the first modern super team. But that all happened through trades. KG had to agree to get traded. For that to happen. So don't misconstrue when I say LeBron set the stage for superstar movement. I'm talking about the player empowerment thing. LeBron has been all about empowering the players. And and it, and it, it goes deeper than this, right? So people complain about the super team thing. Yeah, Miami kind of was players doing it on their own, right? They were behind the scenes. Yo, we're this is what we're going to do. Uh, there were rumors they wanted to do it in Chicago. There were rumors they wanted to do it with Melo. But Melo was the only one of, of that rookie class, him, Wade, and Bosh, Bron, Wade, Bosh, and Melo, who didn't take that shorter extension. Melo wanted more money. 
It's how Melo ended up stuck in Denver and had to get traded to New York. Whereas LeBron made his own decision, right? So you see where I'm going with this when I say set the stage for superstar movement. So you, you combine that with that extreme stroke of luck. Now, uh, LeBron is the vice president of the Players Association. Chris Paul is the president of the Players Association. Uh, when the new influx of TV money came in, uh, the NBA owners wanted to do a smoothing of the cap, which basically means to bring that money in incrementally. LeBron and Chris Paul particularly wanted a cap spike. Why? Because they had contracts coming up. And that meant they could get more money with the cap spike. And as player, and, and someone pointed this out, as president and vice president of the Players Association, they can't afford to take less money because they're the ones negotiating. So the cap spike comes in. That enables Golden State to sign KD outright without losing anybody. That enables them to do that outright without losing anybody. That contributes to this. More luck. Uh, Boogie Cousins getting hurt. Apparently, uh, the Pelicans offered him two years, 40 mil. Boogie wanted a max contract since they held his bird rights. He did not want that. He also apparently called L.A. before he accepted Golden State's offer. And L.A. said, now nah, we're good because we just got two centers and carrying a third center particularly one coming off of an Achilles injury and today switch happy NBA would be crazy. I don't disagree with him. So Golden State calls, says, hey, we'll give you the mid-level. Mind you, he said he would go to L.A. for the mid-level, the same contract they gave JaVale McGee. So <laughs> what I'm saying is these moves and luck have allowed the Warriors to replace Harrison Barnes with Kevin Durant and JaVale McGee with Boogie Cousins. Now, now it also helps to point out that that cap spike means teams were giving out stupid contracts over the last two years. Most of those teams don't have the cap space anymore. So you created a tight market for an already tight market for centers. And I was discussing with some with some guys I know on Facebook. Uh, shout outs to Chris and Keon. You know, they were talking about like, you know, how does this keep happening? And. Here's a move by LeBron that would have prevented super teams. LeBron and Kobe in 2014 wanted to get rid of the max salary. The max salary was put in place so that a max player can only make a certain percentage of the, the overall cap. It's like 35% or something like that. You can only play a player like 35, 36% of the total cap room. Because in the 90s, I think Michael Jordan was making like 30 million of on like a 50 something million dollar cap in like 97 or 98 one of those years mind you Jordan had been grossly underpaid for most of his career by the Bulls his last two contracts were two-thirds of his total NBA earnings like 60 something million he made 96 million in his total career that tells you how little MJ was being paid like to put that in perspective Mike Conley Mike Conley's most recent contract is more than Michael Jordan got paid his entire career obviously inflation but still you get the point he was grossly underpaid so they put that in place because with the guaranteed contract, you basically don't want a play. You don't want to pay a player fifty million dollars on a hundred million dollar cap, uh, and then he gets injured and you're owing him that money and your cap is hamstrung. So owners fought vehemently against that. But here's the issue with that: KD took a pay cut, which lowered the Warriors' tax bill. He could have made thirty five million. He took thirty one million. It's four million dollar pay cut basically. That enables them to sign 
Boogie at not only the mid-level exception, but it also lowers their cap hit because uh, or their luxury tax. Because when you're in the luxury tax, you're basically paying $2 for every dollar you spend in tax. So, if you have, like, if you want to stop players from taking pay cuts, the max salary is there. Because if you have an, a system in place where you can pay a player however much you want, if there's a market where LeBron James and Chris Paul and the other top players in the game, let's say Kawhi, are making $50 million, KD's not taking $31 million because that's a $19 million pay cut as opposed to a $4 million pay cut. And I think that's the only way you can stop super teams is you have to get rid of the max salary slot. Otherwise, guys can just say, okay, well, I've got these business ventures over here and these endorsement deals. That $4 million ain't shit to me. Cool. Take it off the bill so we can sign another all-star to make my life easier. Because this is the AAU generation. It's the DJ Khaled generation. It's the, hey, let's all team up and be cool instead of be competitive generation. Like it or not, it is what it is. You know, that's the only way you can stop a super team from being formed. So LeBron fans, like it or not, LeBron's business acumen has partially led to this Warriors five all-star team. The Team USA starting lineup, essentially. His business moves have done that. His business acumen. I don't think he ever predicted a world where people would be taking what he did and one-upping it, essentially, where there would be a group of guys so unselfish and willing to do this. And again, it's not that LeBron is selfish. It's that he's in a position where he literally cannot afford to not take the most money because that will be used against the players in another negotiation. Well, hey, your VP wanted all of this extra money, and here he is taking $10 million less a year so he can compete. Why do we need to pay the max player X amount of dollars? Him and Chris Paul are not in a situation where they can do that. They have to take the most money that they can make because that's the system that we're under. But for for KD, $4 million isn't really shit to him. So for what reason he can cover that $4 million in a tax write-off or an endorsement deal? Or speaking engagement or something. What reason does he have to take $35 million when he can take 31 and get Boogie Cousins? So that's where we're at. If you want to never see another super team again, you have to get rid of the max salary. Sure, there's going to be an owner stupid enough to pay a dude $70 million on a $110 million cap. And, and the dude tears his ACL and is never the same again. Game is the game, baby. <laughs> It is what it is. You either want super teams or you don't. I personally don't give a shit about them because I think it's funny watching people react. Like there were so many people pissed off and saying DeMarcus Cousins was soft and a pussy. And I'm like, if you've ever seen Boogie Cousins in person, none of you would say that shit to his face. None of you would. It was like, cut the shit, man. Just, just cut the shit. It is what the fuck it is. You don't have to like it, but it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? You know, Nick Wright. <laughs> hilariously made the point i miss an nba season where i missed it uh, the time when when there was some suspense to the nba season like i think the nba has been someone tweeted this the nba has been a thing for 72 years and eight of the teams have won 59 of the titles so if you round that up to 60 that's five of six titles have been won by eight teams like 80 percent of the titles have been won by nearly a quarter of the teams yeah so much like if you mean suspense when 
we knew it was going to be like two or three teams that would win. Like, let's be clear. There hasn't ever really been a time in the NBA where we didn't know who was going to be at least competing for the title. Like, no one's coming into this season thinking that the Charlotte Hornets, my boys, have a chance to win the title. No one went into the past 10 seasons thinking the Hornets had a chance to win the title. Like, you could eliminate two-thirds of the league off the top at any given point in time. And that's me being generous. In the 80s, what, what suspense was there? You knew it was going to be either the Celtics or the Lakers, who have won 33 of the 72 NBA championships. So for roughly one-third of the league's existence, you knew one of two teams was going to win the title. The exception in the 80s was the year that Moses Malone went and joined the Sixers. That was the one year you knew it wasn't going to be the Celtics or the Lakers in the 80s. In the 90s, you knew who it was. It was MJ. Six of the 10 years in the 90s, it was MJ. Two of those years, it was the Pistons. Two of those years, it was the Rockets. Three NBA champions in a 10-year span. Such parody, guys. Do we want to talk about when Shaq and Kobe were running through the league? You knew it was going to be either them or maybe the Kings or Blazers had a chance to beat them. But you knew it was going to be the Lakers. Oh, how about when the Spurs were winning a championship every other year? Oh, what about the year the Celtics had their big three? Oh, Celtics or Lakers, right? Or what about when LeBron went to Miami? It's going to be Miami versus the Western Conference champs. Or how about the last four seasons? When at the start of the year, we pretty much knew it was going to be either Cleveland or Golden State. Except for the first year that they did this. When people thought it might be the Clippers. You thought you had an open Western Conference. Like, I just ran through four decades of NBA basketball, basically. 80s, 90s, 2000s in the the teens. And, like, maybe 2004 was the only year that there was a surprise champion when the Pistons did it. Like, other than that, give me one other champion in the last 30 years that has been a surprise. That shocked anybody. Anybody? Can you name one? Because there hasn't been one. There is no suspense in the NBA. Like, Nick, shut up. You're just upset because your boy doesn't have a chance to win. And that's what most Braun fans are mad about. You can't decry the lack of competition when your boy has been teaming, has had two All-Stars on his team for seven of the last eight finals. He left Cleveland to team up with two All-Stars, and that was his right. I'm not begrudging him for that. I'm speaking on what happened. He left Cleveland because Cleveland did an abysmal job at getting him help. So he said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get help myself, which is fine. I have no issue with that. He went and got two all-star teammates. When he saw that D-Wade was no longer capable of being his wingman, he looked back up at Cleveland and said, hey, these guys have three first-round picks in two years, and one of them was just the all-star game MVP. I bet I can flip two of those picks into an all-star power forward, and that's what he did. So again, I ask you, why are we acting like this is, hasn't been going on? Like, if LeBron cared so much about competition, he would have just kept right on going with Miami and said, fuck it, I'm already here. He didn't have to leave, but he decided, you know what, I'm going to leave because D-Wade can't do this anymore. So I need to be in this position to where I can win more NBA championships. And he put himself in the best position to do so. 
people mad about Kevin Love going to Golden State. Ah, he wouldn't join a 73-win team, and they they beat them in the Western Conference Finals. So what about all of the reports at the start of the 2015-2016 season that said the Warriors were targeting Kevin Durant? What about the fact that Draymond Green purposely took less money on his contract extension shortly before that season because he knew that he wanted to target Kevin Durant? What about Klay Thompson's dad coming out before the 2015-2016 season and saying, yeah, I'm pretty sure the Warriors are going to target Kevin Durant. So were the Warriors not supposed to target Kevin Durant because of that? Was Kevin Durant, who had probably been talking to them the entire time, supposed to say, nah, I'm good because you guys just beat me? Was Kevin Durant, who did not like his coach or his wingman, supposed to not go to the best team in basketball to appease you? Like, come on, guys. Like, like, let's just cut the shit, man. Like, seriously, I'm, I'm, it, it, it's, it's enough, man. LeBron's legacy is set. He, he himself has said this. He's like, look, my legacy is what it is. I'm okay with that. I'm, I came to LA to because this is where I wanted to live. This is where I wanted to be. He doesn't care. Why are you so mad? It's a game that has no impact on your life whatsoever. You people who are so viscerally angry at what the Warriors are doing within the rules of the game are weird, to say the least, man. But anyways, man, um, I've talked long enough about the NBA. I didn't even take a break this podcast. This was cool. Um, Be on the lookout for more shit. Uh, this weekend, uh, me and Ronnie are probably doing a new thing, so be on the lookout for that. I may rip the audio on weeks that we do that and have that replace the podcast. But until then, check out thekidswearcrowns.com. Check out When God Ready. Here is Club Monster with their track off of When God Ready. It's called Mugshots. Subscribe to the iTunes. Subscribe to the Google Play. Subscribe to the SoundCloud. I'm actually in here working on music as we speak. Peace out. Look, I wrap ovals, fucking circles around niggas. Hope you stomach that little vodka and brown liquor. Hope you feel my goal, Ronaldo, so I'll kick it. People pointing fingers, don't worry, I did it. The intercom on. To test Mesmerized bars, just an alcoholic's wet dream. Looking for a big break, niggas, what's the next sling? Drive really killer, Stephen King, nigga, Christine. Movie cinema trivia on the real, though. So, so niggas, they really try to appeal, though. Google Gaga, yeah, baby, like me for real, though. Fucking frantic, I see real killing ill, though. The ill opposed, the ill advised, no ill guys. We vilified the way you ride, we rip your tide. Can't cut the great poop on, it's uncivilized. But we can take out crews, the worst genocide. genocide. But we can take out crews, the worst genocide. 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 I rap for them compadres who never made it to the year of our age. Shit, why not? The Lord's long hand took them, the next black man took them, or either they white folks, state property, two, one, mandatory minimums, buried our black sons, the power of the drug, even took Michael Jackson, nobody spared, even the man who moonwalked down, he made thriller and barely made it to 50, I'm still praying while my kids are still sniffing them over here like it was Michael, and please take this nigga, Lord, she hiding her rings in a purse in her headboard, cause nobody trusts her attic, you gotta prepare for, you black 
black and you broke, it's hard to afford a better for Body the temple, the good book, tell us treat the special. The track mall sure hard to explain these new endeavors. We all got faith, can't intercede for these devils. We all got faith, can't intercede for these devils. Back at it, club monster, shake the block. Nigga, quit pump faking and take the shot. Hit or miss, this is it, great or not. Stomach knots, uncle shot, how was shot? Hit my cuz while on his bike, a cow was soft. Fuck it, let's go dance, go get that mask, a jabberwock. Keys putting niggas in a position to have a lot. Ratchet bitches acting exquisite, knowing that they're thought. Woo! Cold summer for winter, suppose I froze these flows, foes on the agenda. Who knows, my woes still a part of the splendor. Surrender or be someone they have to remember. Them cold cases, cremated old vases. All this new money, blue money, still got them old faces. Partners like daughter, you how the fuck? Why you still modest? Humbleness, hungerness, keep me sharp and I'm still polished. Just got my steel, polished, be still, I will. Pop it for real, I let it. And the night that feel collins, I feel the fate hang around real, the feel solid. Answers is better, nigga. Dark skin feel cotton. House niggas snitching this shit when boss in the field watching. That nigga switching this shit. When his dude is field cropping like he's still on the team But that nigga is flopping Body deep-rocking Chabot re-rocking I tell them demeanor Nah, I ain't seen him Serve a nigga subpoena Fuck battling over neck Venus nigga Serena's arenas We trying to pack it Club monster patch on the jacket It's dog feel I'm a creature Dream chaser a reacher I talk to the Lord myself Can't put my faith in the preacher We gave you niggas the canvas Now this is the Mona Lisa Suggest they sticking with US Get these niggas a visa I'm out Get these niggas a visa, I'm out. Get these niggas a visa, I'm out. Get these niggas a visa, I'm out.